So let's keep going with our CEO series now for the Leadership Enigmas. We continue to unpeel the onion. I've no idea where I got that phrase from. Now, the topic of sustainability is something that is on all leaders' mind. It's on all businesses' mind. But sometimes I have to wonder whether we really understand what sustainability means. What are the misconceptions? What are the myths that might go with it? What are the musts? What are the do's? What are the don'ts? And what does it mean for the business of the future? In fact, what does it mean for our young talent who are coming into our businesses at the moment? So again, I wanted to find someone who could help me with this. So come back to me just after this break, where I'm going to have a speak to Chris Caldwell, who is the current CEO of United Renewables. And he tells me he's got all the answers. I'm kidding, but he's got loads of answers. Come back to me just after this. Hi, I'm Adam Pacifico, and welcome to The Leadership Enigma, a world-ranked, award-winning podcast that's insatiably curious as regards what leaders do, how they do it, and importantly, why. We'll delve into the human doing, but even deeper into the human being and the power of human-centered leadership to drive sustainable change. So whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts and disruptors, as together we will discover that success leaves clues. Chris, thanks so much for coming into the Leadership Enigma. Adam, it's a great pleasure and a great honor. Thank you. Well, let's start with this. You are a fellow podcaster as well. So uh, I'm already slightly nervous because you'll be comparing and contrasting. Uh, you're the host of Conversations on Climate. That's right, isn't that's it? Right, yeah, that's right. How did that start? Before? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting story. Uh, we started at the end of the, a bit like, a bit like yourself, the end of the pandemic and uh, decided I was part of the kind of London Business School. And yes. there was an awful lot of our kind of traditional face-to-face events that, that yep. were shut down. And we said, well, how do we get things started up again? Let's start to have interesting conversations with faculty and with um, with with notable alumni about what, to my mind, one of the most important issues that we're facing as humanity, which is climate, climate change, uh, the climate transformation, sustainability, and it's been it's been 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 going going really really well. Well, we're gonna I'm gonna have to uh, kind of tap into best tips or, or hot tips for me in relation to uh, podcasting. Obviously, the focus for you is climate. Want to talk about sustainability, but before we get to what you're doing now. You were an investment banker and a corporate lawyer. And I was laughing because you're the third person I've spoken to in a row now who's a recovering lawyer. So I don't know why I've, in some ways, picked out all the lawyers. Um, Who knows? We're creating a little bit of a self-help group. But tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, yeah. I think lawyers are professional talkers, so maybe that's why it's suitable to, to, to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, yeah, started as, as a, actually, be, even before being a lawyer, I was I did an undergraduate degree in economics, not really knowing what to do with a liberal arts degree. I went and did law. Right. That's as, 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 as the normal way of doing Fell it. Fell into it. Yeah, then um, with law, uh, really interesting, but I found it a little bit limiting where you were really focused in on whether the, the bits of paper in front of you made sense rather than worrying about you know the, the overall state of the business or the state of the transaction or whatever else. Um, so I got the chance to do a three months of comment in an investment bank and that turned into like a 12 year career in the city. Uh, so where in investment banking, fundamentally very, very interesting. Uh, like because you are having to look at all of the aspects of a business um, have all the aspects of whether two businesses will fit together, whether they, they, the entrepreneurs, whether the CEO uh, had all the right processes, all the right people in there, what their market conditions are. So like intellectually is great. Um, and also got to do a lot of international business as well. Right. Um, so understanding different cultures. So there was an awful lot of it that was that was really quite satisfying. But after like 10 or 12 years. Yeah where the only thing you were ever measured on was one metric, and it was how well you did last quarter. And if you're optimizing for that one metric, everything else kind of falls, falls, to, the, falls to the side. So you ended up being on a hamster wheel, and it, which was quite a, diff- quite a difficult, difficult thing to get off. And there was a couple of moments where I kind of understood that maybe this wasn't, you know, this wasn't, wasn't all to be. Uh, one little, little, exa- little example I gave was, um, as the financial crisis hit, uh, we were in a completion meeting, and a, and a big kind of an issue came up. Yeah. And uh, my my opposite number uh, said, "Up, oh, I need to go and uh, call my daughter because we're supposed to have dinner. She's heading off in the morning, so I can't actually. I, I can't do it. So I'm go, So I'll just tell her I can't do it." We stayed up till like four o'clock in the morning, finishing off the deal. Um, had a word with her and said, "Oh yeah, well great. You know, congratulations, well done. We got this done. Fantastic. So yeah, well, I hope you're not in too much trouble with your daughter." As it turned out, she was in her early 20s and she was emigrating to New Zealand. And her mother had missed her last day to 
to do to complete this deal. And she was like a leading light in the, the investment banking world. She was someone who was very impressed, was very well thought of. But uh, like, I looked at her and I just thought, wow, like, what a sacrifice you just made. Yeah. Like this, 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 your daughter has lived with you for 24 years, every day. She is now going to the other side of the planet, the point you're currently furthest from. And you, ca you can't even like go and have dinner with her. And I thought, well, like, that's my future, really. Like this is, this is, if this is, this is what is demanded of you, well, this is not for me. You know, wow. this it's is interesting how one thing can suddenly yeah. flick the switch. Do you think, no, yeah, yeah exactly. Not, not exactly. for me. And it's, it's kind of, it brought a, brought a kind of a, a cascade of like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute here. Like, you know, my, my children are really important to me. Like my family is really important to me. What's, what is, what's, there's more to life than this. Um, and so I was also very interested in, um, in I was working in, in infrastructure. I was very interested in the energy transition. Um, and I was at the moment at that at that moment in time, it was very it was very focused in on in on energy energy transition because again, you're only being monitored on one matrix, which is the which is which is which is finance. And with with nine trillion that needs to be spent every year globally on the energy transition to hit hit 2050 targets. That is, it is the single greatest wealth creation opportunity, like in uh, in the world now. Like I've got no doubt, okay. no doubt about That's that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was appealing to me from that, from even my own banker point of view, point of view at the time. But also having children, I thought, well, it's it's also vitally important for for the sustainability of their of their lives and their their children's lives going forward. <clears throat> so um, took the advantage of the the pause uh, that the financial crisis caused to go to London Business School. Uh, so going back, you know, <laughs> back to the start. Well, of the it was a, the, the pandemic was a real pause button for everyone, wasn't it? It was. It was absolutely a reflection. It was, and uh, like as, as you said yourself, like a pause if on a on a computer is everything stops, but a pause on a human is. Oh, you've been listening to my episodes. Haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a pause on human is a time is a time to reflect. Yeah. It's, it's where so that really happened to it, you. It genuinely happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was able able to kind of step off the hamster wheel and really kind of understand yeah. what there is more to life than well. this. Um, and I, so I went into London Business School as an investment banker, and I left as founder. So stepped out, and like so, complete transformation from from the you know, large infrastructure all around you, running running a desk in a in a, a, a bank in a major investment bank in London, to you, know, you with a laptop uh, in your front room trying to raise some money to try and do do something entrepreneurial. Well, you've taken on a big risk then, haven't you? A huge risk, huge risk. But I was I was also in the fortunate position of having the ability to take the risk because I had spent you know a dozen years in the city. So there was there was there was there was a, there was a cushion there. Like it wasn't entirely. It was it was a massive transformation, it was a massive change, but. But it wasn't as if um, if I if it had have failed within kind of kind of twelve months, it wouldn't have been the end of the world because it could have just gone, gone back, um, and I had enough cushion to be able to get me through. So there, there was that type of right. there was there was a, a, a managed risk. risk. Yeah, it was a managed risk. Okay. It wasn't it wasn't completely and totally understood. The lunatic time, but um, so stepped out, did that, um, stepped out to try and make a a difference. So I at London Business School, I did like. 20 different business plans to try and figure, figure out what to do in the world of you know sustainability and uh, and why um, sustainability then how we it, just what, why was that the focus yeah because it's the, the energy transition i thought because of that the yeah, opportunity yeah, yeah the right. opportunity it was it was the opportunity but it was also the as you spend more time thinking about it and you get you get further away from the from that that banking mentality of yes. it's all it's all about kind of you that know, single metric all about that single metric right. you, you the world opens a little bit more and you start to understand that there's more there's more it's all connected and everything's connected and it, like my my understanding of sustainability now is 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 massively broadened out to be well well beyond you know the one molecule of carbon, which yeah. uh, which which was uh, I was initially trying to trying to target, but we'll get get on with that a bit later. Um, so I saw saw a niche in uh, Northern Ireland, which was um, a very nice subsidy uh, attached to smaller wind turbines, yeah, um, and a regulatory policy environment that seemed to be attractive to it. Raised some money and really quite successfully raised raised a good amount of money. Like I went out to raise five hundred thousand, ended up raising six million, like in, in pretty 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 short order because I had all of the, the relationships and skills from a dozen years in the city to be able to do that. But then had the pressure of actually, wow. of, of being able to, of having to go out and build stuff <laughs> in a in a world where there was very, there was very. Little. What were you building? So if you, uh, if you raised six million. That's a that's yeah. not an insignificant number it, from a it isn't a, an open laptop and a I've got an idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So I managed to get get a couple of really good people around me uh, who, yep. were, who were who were good who had who had experience of being able to to do the the pieces that it takes to get a wind turbine built. 
Right. So, so it's kind of finding finding the land, um, getting the you know, doing the civil engineering, getting the planning, um, doing the, the the electrical engineering, and right. then looking after it afterwards. So then, so we managed as as a, as a nice team to say, well, we've ticked all these boxes, and um, yeah, give some money to go and build it because the regulation says it's easy. Mm. Right when you got there, regulation was not <laughs> it was not easy at all. Always the way. Yeah, it's always the way. So um, as you know yourself, uh, the the statutes. What statute says and what the um, performance on the ground is are sometimes enormously different. Right. So you had a, um, a, a very well-entrenched planning system where people were saying that uh, we will not build tall vertical structures yeah. in, in rural environments because you're not allowed to build, you don't want to build skyscrapers there. But, and that, that's just what they've been thinking for, for decades and decades and decades. And then suddenly it's like, hey, it's a wind turbine. So that's tall, that's vertical, that's, that's rural, no. Like, well, but, 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 but the legislation says you should be able to do this. I said, no. So we ended up doing 22 planning appeals, um, you know, winning 20, 21. That, that's expensive in itself. <laughs> that was, it was, yeah. Yeah, burnt, burnt, burnt uh, quite a few resources. But it, but it was absolutely necessary. Like, you couldn't get anything built unless you did that. Right. So we won, tw- won 21 and, drew, and drew, drew the other one. So we ended up, like, really rewriting that. And, like, the legal skills in there was, were, were super yeah. helpful, super helpful. Um, Without the legal skills, we couldn't couldn't have even imagined it, and couldn't have really afforded it because you had to do a lot of the work yourself as an okay. entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so that's kind of rewrote that the the statute. Then we also had to work with had a really excellent grid guy uh, work with the local grid to say this is how instead of having like point to point electricity, you have like now hundreds and like eventually thousands of different generation points now to manage that. So we did we we worked with the grid to uh, to. So are you building the infrastructure then leasing was the energy back to the grid? How how? Yes, yes. So, so the so the business model model at that point was uh, you you lease the land, um, you build the the turbine on the land at uh, your cost at, at our cost. Yeah. Well, so we, we with with the investors' yes. capital, yep. you, you build the turbine, and then you sell the electricity to the grid, um, to 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 the, you know, the grid operator, and the grid operator then sells it to to the to the houses. So the yeah, the end user, yeah, yeah, to the end user. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there were some nice sub- subsidies attached to it there, there at the time, um, which was which were well needed at the time. Now, like we've now, the economics have caught up and uh, costs have, costs have come down. But at the time, you needed the subsidies, and that was so. It was a very good, good kind of step. How many did you build then? Uh, we built uh, thirty-four different winds, wind farms. <coughs> wind farms. Wind farms. Yeah. So yeah, not yeah, singular yeah. turbines. There, but farms. Some of them are singular, some of them are multiple. But yeah, yeah. So there's there's like thirty-four different different sites have got wind and en- wind energy on them. We've also got uh, got got solar. We've also got anaerobic. I guess things go on anaerobic digestion. So we've 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 broken out into different technologies as well as, yeah. as it went along. So. Okay. So so you did this and you became the CEO of United Renewables and you're growing. At that time, it was. Uh, Causeway Wind. Okay. Yeah, Causeway, Causeway Wind, because we then started to build solar, we then started to build... So you diversified and hence the name. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Then solar, anaerobic digestion, then storage and whatever, so now... you know. So was this all going to plan or was this, was this going almost above expectations in relation to the amount of money, the speed... Uh, the people that you now had to start to hire. What, what, what was your thinking as a, an entrepreneur and a now a CEO of the idea, <laughs> you know, with people now working for you? Yeah, did yeah. you think, yeah, absolutely, to plan, or did you think, oh, that went slightly better than uh, yeah, I thought? There's, there, there, there's no plan that survives first contact. <laughs> there, right. there, there isn't. Like, I it's, know. It's, yeah, it's, just, right. it, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's just facts of life. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't plan. Like, the actual the exercise of planning. What did it mean, your expectations then, or did it exceed, or... It has. Ex, um, I w- was always very ambitious yeah. and continue to be very ambitious. Um, I think where we are now is is. I think the next step will be huge, um, and everything is building up to 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 where to where we are now. What is that huge like, next step? Ne- ne- next step is is massive. Like moving from from kind of smaller, like from from like single stick wind wind farms to kind of you know ten and tw- ten and twelve megawatts to like gigawatt scale to like hundreds and hundreds of megawatts. So we've got we've got ser- ser- series of uh, of sites. We've got literally hundreds of megawatts on them. Um, Where are those sites? Are those across the? So yeah, and again, ge- geographically, we've diversified a lot as well. Right. So, so we've got a lot of sites in Scotland. Yes. Uh, an awful lot, a lot, lot of sites. A lot of wind in Scotland. A lot of wind in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and funnily enough, a lot of solar in Scotland. Right. There is. The, well, there you go. It's, That's it's, a surprise. <laughs> it's a good place. Good place to put solar as as panels get more efficient. Right. Um, and it, like you got areas, got vast amounts of amounts of like flat ground and friendly uh, environments to be putting them in. Gotcha. Like it's it's you know, it, it's a good place to be. Um, 
then we're we're also looking very carefully and got projects in in island nations because solo got a project in the Isle of Man got a project in uh, Barbados project uh, in Bahamas where there's an awful lot of interest in the renewable world in uh, in the bigger places. So, like, you've got the Inflation Reduction Act in America, bringing in, the United States bringing in a huge amount of in- interest there. You've got kind of the reactionary uh, policies in Europe, which mm-hmm. which brings interest there. China has got the, is the largest um, renewable energy producer or producer of the world. Um, Canada has got, got a carbon tax. So all of the... Sorry, all of those big. There's uh, a global opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So, but all of those those, those big countries have got their own, have got an awful lot of infrastructure um, inbuilt and domestic, right. which, is, which, which is which is growing that and sprouting it up. But uh, island nations, which you know, going to the to the climate ju- climate justice part of things, they you know the the people in the world who have done the least to deserve the most amount of pain. Because they are the they are the, the guys and girls who are suffering the, the hurricanes. They're, suff- they're, they're suffering <coughs> right. the, 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 the coastal erosion far more far more than we are. But they've done almost nothing to be causing it. So so we're we're looking at these areas and going well. How can we? Well, we could go to America if if our full goal was just to make money. We'd be, camp- we'd be camping out in the U.S. without okay. you know, that, but but it isn't. Like we want to try and help places that right. bring our skills because the skills that we developed when we were in in Northern Ireland initially of 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 working with grids or working with planning authorities of getting of getting local local communities in, in and behind it. Those are the same skills you need in going to going to island communities. And if you can help them to be getting to be greening up their system, then you're make you're making a difference where other people aren't. Okay, yeah. so you're sat in in this space which I'm going to loosely describe as climate. Mm-hmm. Help me understand what is your view in relation to the climate issue that we're facing right now? And mm-hmm. I deliberately haven't used the word crisis because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah. although now I've said it. <laughs> but what, what, how do you or how would you explain the climate issue that we're facing as a race? Yeah, I think that this is um, just in, in one sentence. Um, it is we are the first generation that is feeling the pain of the climate crisis. Right. But we're also the last generation that could do anything about it. Right, that's quite a powerful mm. statement. So you use the word crisis. Mm. Tell me what that crisis is, and then tell me that last part is a slightly frightening part. Yeah, we're the last generation that could do anything about it. Yeah, what's actually. the crisis then, Chris? The crisis is it's like if you look across the planet now, like you have um, like <coughs> Hurricane Ian destroying um, Florida, Bahamas. You have wildfires in Canada, which is like causing like Mad, Mad Max style yeah, um, visions, visions of New York. You have uh, forest fires in, in Greece, in, in Italy. You have, you have, you have droughts. You have a third of, last year you had a, you had a third of Pakistan underwater, a third of that, of that immense country underwater. You have Estonia, which is two thirds, only last week, two thirds of that country was hit by, by floods like we're hitting um things are happening that all of what climate science have been talking about for mm. the for the last kind of like 20 20 25 years um is happening and it's happening quicker than their worst expectations so we've now had the the hottest um month in in recorded human history like as, as far as far as we've seen that this month and it's going to be the hottest year uh, unless something remarkable happens going to be the hottest hottest year uh, this year next year will be hotter again and we're at 1.2 degrees over um o- over over a ba- over a baseline like pre-industrialized level right as things stand which we're uh, according to to our, our our targets our goals we want to try and keep it to 1.5 at 1.2 we're already struggling Getting to 1.5 is going to going to be worse, but the way things are going, unless we do something really dramatic, we're going to be well overshooting two and possibly getting 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 closer to three degrees. And considering the difficulties that that we as as like humans are having at 1.2 degrees, you can only imagine how how hard that would hit when you get over two and and, appro- and approaching three. See, for some people, they might think, oh, well, it's only two or only three degrees. Yeah, every- but but. That's what you're saying. Is that is significant? Oh, it's my, and like the difference between 1.2 and 1.3 is very significant. The difference between between 1.1 and 1.2 is what we're seeing this year, as opposed to what we're seeing last year. And last year was bad, but this year is worse, and next year is going to be worse. Again. And we weren't seeing these things decades ago. We, we you, or were well, we seeing they were infrequent? What, what was a, a, compare a, and contrast yeah, for me, Chris? No, a, exactly. So we were what the types of events we're seeing now were once once in a generation events right like you you'd see them maybe once every, every 20 25 years we're now seeing them once every two or three years frequency is is, is massively um, ramping up for all of these these really dramatic events like the the droughts the forest fires the, the hurricanes the 
um, yeah, the, the like the sea temperature, uh, like all of the all of these things that are causing kind of big breakdowns in our ecosystems. Yes. Now the planet will be fine. The planet ultimately is going to is going to, to just to breeze past us and not worry about us. It's the humans on us that are have, that are going to have the difficulty unless we do something about it. So it, this is purely about self-preservation. Like we need to be trying to be you know, pulling out the stops and just understanding that. There's a, there, there, that there's no second chance here. We've got. Well, we're losing life, aren't we? And we, we're seeing uh, yeah. stories even today mm. and yesterday. We're actually losing human life uh, as for, a result of these Massive. these instances that you're that you're talking about. Mm. Um, so you're very much saying that we we are and you used the word crisis. Mm-hmm. We are dealing with a climate crisis. That crisis mm-hmm. now. Let me come on to the second part of what you said. You said we're the last generation that can do anything about it. Mm-hmm. That's the bit that's perhaps even more frightening. Yeah. Tell us what you mean. Well, we to try and keep um, global temperatures before you hit tipping points. So, like the, t- so the types of tipping points are, um, you get so dry in the Amazon rainforest that forest fires kind of take out big chunks of it, and they become like massive, ma- massive. Instead of being carbon sinks, they put huge amounts more carbon in carbon into the atmosphere, right. or the, the the ice caps melt, and you end. And up, we're seeing evidence and, of and, and breakoffs, seeing, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We are absolutely. Yeah. Or um, there's there's kind of potential collapses in in big parts of the world. Of world of agriculture uh, where it just gets too hot for 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 what's for what they, they were they were currently current, right. they were they were making um if if those tipping points happen they're, they're gone like it's over like it, it will it will take like literally thousands of years for the for the earth to re, to rebalance it from that so we need to stop those tipping points from happening and the only way we can do that is by taking very very dramatic action now to be reducing the amount of like I, I, I don't want to make it so fo- so focused focused in on carbon because yes. like there's there's lots of other things things that also contribute to this like if you can increase biodiversity if you can preserve preserve your, your forests your, if you can be planting more trees if you can be um, you're reducing the sulfur like there's lots of things you can be doing but we need to be doing all of them. I worry as well, Chris, because I think about just the, the general chaos of the world, mm. and I'm not just talking about politics and war and just sometimes the very nature of human beings. Can we do this? We have to do this. Well, this is a non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like there's no the, us sitting around arguing with each other over the finer points of points of things is futile. It's futile, and it's uh, and some. I think that we're approaching a point where we can no longer ignore it. Um, and if there's there's always um, kind of arguments against that because people in general don't want to be like we don't like change like it's just you know in our in our natural state of being we don't we don't like changing, but um, change is being forced upon us. Change is happening, and the best way of avoiding the the, the changes that are happening upon us are by making voluntary changes or making make but by taking agency of it and making the changes of the things that are within our control. So like. Put up solar panels if you can afford them. Go to an electric car if you can afford them. Take the bus, walk. You know, just get out, get out of your diesel. Stop flying. You know, those type of individual things. But <coughs> actually, far more important than that. Yeah, is is not the individual. It's the it's the, the systemic. It's it's the you know making the decisions as a consumer. So buying the the products that that supports um, you know the the buying environmentally conscious products or voting. Like that, you just get out and vote and say, say we, we these are important issues to us. These are the people we want. So by influencing the corporations and by influencing the, the the politicians, then systemic change happens. Like I don't know if you if you're aware, but the whole kind of idea of the individual responsibility, and the carbon footprint. Do you know Do you know where that that came from? No. BP. Right. BP, British Petroleum, uh, hired, hired uh, one of the world's leading advertising agencies, and they came up with essentially to deflect and say, well, wait a minute, guys, it's, it's, it's not our fault. It's not right. on us. It's on you. You know, you need to be thinking about it. And, you know, uh, Cargill came out and said, well, carbon footprint. And BP pushed, pushed it out around there. And we're now all thinking, oh, it's, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. I said, well, it's, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility to try and do something about it. But it most certainly is not your fault. So when we talk about responsibility it's actually everybody's responsibility and then there's part of me that has to ask this question can we actually do something about it if there are perhaps entire countries and nations who are perhaps not as developed or are using systems and processes which are mm-hmm. way behind can actually we do anything about this genuinely yeah, we, where we, we're talking about first world problems not yeah. third world problems yeah, no. we're talking about West and Eastern, and that's not compare and contrast, but yeah. there are whole swathes of the world which are significantly struggling with issues yeah, around sure. sustainability. 
we have to do something, but can we? Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate the point, the point, and the point well made. Um, but I, I don't. I've, are you familiar with the concept of leap, leapfrogging? No. Tell me. Um, it's the same way, like if you uh, go, uh, like visit kind of a lot of kind of West African states, um, you will not find people with uh, with uh, with landline telephones. Everyone has gone straight to the mobile phone. Right. And and oh, they've left from certain they've, they've, technologies. They've they've, 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 right. they've, they've left left over te- uh, technology. In in the vast majority of cases, it makes much more sense for you to be leapfrogging across the fossil fuels like there's the, the uh, electrification uh, is, is a hugely important way of getting people out of poverty and electrification is a, it's a hugely imp- important way right. of, of increasing quality of life but it doesn't need to be done but done with fossil fuels it can be done with with remote with so with, with solar panels it can be done done with batteries it can be do, can be done with with systems that are the remote grids I Urge you to um, to have a look at uh, at a podcast uh, I, I did with a, a guy a gentleman the name of uh, Yarov Cohen Remar- remarkable uh, yeah. individual. Um, he's his 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 career is dedicated to creating these small microgrids in 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 West Africa, um, in uh, like remote communities where where people are just are it's it's being electrified by at, at, at fractions of pennies. So they can they can have a few hours of of light, a few hours of of heat if they need be, but a few hours like really importantly for cooking. Right. Because if you're inside, uh, if you're you're using fossil fuels to be cooking inside. Like you are, like you're breathing in all of these smokes. So all of the the, the, the lung problem problems within within these communities is huge. If you can electrify it, you you increase the, you leap dramatically increase the health uh, health of pe- people within these in these communities. Also, like kids trying to study, no longer need daylight. You know, can now just turn on lights light, lights to be reading. So so the levels of education go up as well. Like the power of electrification is huge, but it doesn't need to be done by fossil fuels. So you can you can do both. You can both. You know. So the development of one area can yeah. significantly impact the underdevelopment of another area by getting them to leapfrog yeah, okay. certain processes that we one area might have gone through, but they don't have to go through. Am I getting that yeah, right? No, yeah, no, exactly. So we we do we do not need. Uh, we went through our processes of. Um, of of, co- of cooking over these uh, with 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 fossil fuels, we went through our processes of heating with fossil fuels. We went through through our processes of lighting with oils. You can be you can be skipping through all of these things right. uh, and just be be going going straight to and also our you don't need to have diesel generators outside because also diesel generators are themselves a, a a weak link. Like if you don't have the diesel. So if you get caught up by, by a storm or or in Alaska or yeah. like in, in northern Canada by by by, by a snowstorm. And you run a run a run out of diesel, you know, you're, all of your systems shut down. But if you've got solar, if you've got wind, you can continue to be to be uh, producing, to be to be li- to be living your life um, in the the face of extreme climate events. Right. So it's not it's we don't need to be doing what we have been doing. We can be we can be t- taking the renewable approach to um, to to development. Right, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that phrase leapfrogging. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about the the word sustainability mm-hmm. because it gets bounded around all the time. I'm not yeah. sure people actually really understand yeah. what they mean by that and forgive me if I'm doing anybody a disservice on it. Um, I specifically want to focus in on sustainability in businesses. Let's begin with what are some of the misconceptions that you're seeing and hearing in your travels, Chris? Okay. Well, um, first of all, sustainability is about um, it's about like kind of long-term growth and long-term survival. Yes. So it's like a, unless you focus on sustainability, it's really hard to imagine you surviving and thriving in a world that just continues to change. Like the world has changed an awful lot. Like COVID is a good example of how the world changed. Climate is going to be another example yes. example of, of how of how, how the world is changing. You need to be nimble. You need to keep on keep on look, looking at at how this all um, at, at how you can be kind of staying ahead of the curve. Uh, one of the things that uh, one of the, kind of a nice way of looking at sustainability is is taking away the focus from the whole kind of you know, Milton, Milton Friedman shareholder primacy view, view of the world, or they like that you know another way of putting it like the Gordon Gecko greed is good you know <laughs> far, far, from, from from our we all remember the Wall Street movie yeah, we do we do we do yeah, yeah it's a great movie um, and I know like there's there, it, it is unfair to compare Friedman Friedman to, to Gecko because they're they are they are quite quite different but it's it's the idea of like you you worry about the shareholders so back to banking as well like you know. That, that kind of one metric metric you're looking shareholder at. value shareholder value yeah yeah yeah, yeah shareholder primacy 
Um, so if you, but sustainability and sustainable thinking, thinking in, in leadership is about looking at your, your employees. It's about looking at your customers, it's about looking at your regulators, it's about look, looking, looking at society at large, your community, like, and trying to make sure, make sure that you're certain, and, and also your shareholders, shareholders are a key stakeholder, of course, but you have to try and serve them all. And if you can make your, your shareholders happy um, and your, your, your customers, your employees, your regulators happy, you're going to have a happy life and existence and, you know, and have, and have you know, pricing ability and be the, the ability to uh, flexibility. People will, will be forgiving of you. It's, there's an awful lot of upside, upsides into this. Um, McKinsey did a study last year. They saw like people who focus on, kind of on long-term growth um, have 47% um, increased top-line revenue growth over a 15-year period over their, peer, their peers who don't. Right. So it's something that is, that is so you asked about misconceptions. One of the big misconceptions out there is that it's really expensive. Okay. And like, yes, it is expensive. There are trade-offs in the short term, but in the long run, it pays off. It more than, more than pays off. So it's there a, is an investment element to it. Ex- exactly. Invest now. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People invest in invest in, in innovation, and they don't think that innovation is is a waste of money. Um, but people investing in sustainability can see it as it's always something you can chop. It's like the marketing budget. It's like no, but it's not. It's really it, it is it is fundamental to long long term growth. Um, another one of the the kind of the big big misconceptions is that. It's it's a it's a destination. It's not a destination. It, it's it's a journey. It's a process. It's a series of things. A series series of, of it's a way of thinking that you continue to grow to grow and develop as you go along. You'll never get there. You'll never be one hundred percent sustainable. But it's it's it's. But you it's, can get it to a place and pass it on for somebody else to continue the journey. Yeah, and you can you can continue to be trying to improve, like the whole kind of the, the, the marginal gains. Like you, you keep you can keep keep on trying to be trying to be better, a little bit better, a little bit better all the right. time. But it's not. Um, you can't just say, okay, right, pff, I'm sustainable. And that's it. <laughs> you know, it's ticking the box. Just ticking the box, yeah. And that's another one of the big, the big uh, misconceptions is it's all about making the big public statements and saying yes, well, we are, we are going to going to have the big goals and then forgetting about it because well, no, you get hammered if you do that. Mm-hmm. Like you have, like you're, there's, there's, if there's a worse thing than having um, a purpose that is kind of woolly or a purpose that it, that is not um, that that doesn't resonate with people, it's having a purpose that's insincere. If you're just going out and you're just saying saying something, like the first people people who will be feeling kind of let down by it are your employees, and without your without your employees on your side, you've got you know the business. Yeah. Um, but then like you know, people like like the Financial Times, like they have a, a, an index that they're they are watching. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On on what you say and and tracking you to it and holding saints and sinners, saints and sinners, exactly. Yeah. It's so, how should leaders? And this is not going to be as regards size of business, mm-hmm. but how should leaders be thinking now? As regards sustainability, um, I think that sustainability is key to to your long term um, future. To to so sustainability at a, a very kind of first instance, very first first thing to do when you're thinking about about well, am I a sustainable business? Yeah. Is, a, is is think about well, what's my purpose? Like, what's what is the purpose of this business? What what would if we disappeared from the world, what would be missed? You know, and and once you once you've got you got a kind of a firm idea of like what you're what you're all about, yeah. Then you can kind of you can you can take take the next step and go well, how do I um, how do how do I kind of rank? What's my impact on the world? So you so you can there's a few ways of doing that. Um, there's there's the sustainable development goals, which are you know the United Nations seven seventeen goals, which yes, are which I've are seen those, yeah, yes. yeah, which you know very, very interesting ways of kind of of, of individuals, countries, yeah. businesses looking looking at their, their impact in the world. Another are the kind of ESG goals, like uh, yeah, environmental, so, social, 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 and government's kind of frameworks. There's, there's various frameworks we can just be going and tick, tick, ticking a box and saying how do I how do I perform against it, this or the other, but just do do an audit of your business first. And the first thing to be pulling out is going. Well, what are the showstoppers here? Like, once I have a look at these, these across these ma- these metrics and these these important kind of wider ranging issues, mm. what is going to going to really what's going to end the business? So, for example, if you are if you you discover that you have uh, child labor in your down your supply chain, well, that can end your business. That can destroy your reputation. If you discover that that there's there's a leak in a leak in a river that is polluting a local lake. Well, that can ruin your reputation in the community. That's the first thing you do. Sort out those things. Make sure, like, 100% that's before you do anything else. Then after you do that, can you can take take whatever measures that, that you've looked at. And there's a lot of information out there because people put the information out there and just benchmark yourself against your peers. 
and see how you're doing yeah. relative to, to your peers and what your relative strengths or weaknesses are. And pick two or three things you want to be really, really good at, really strong at, really known for. That, yeah. that can that can provide you with strategic advantage. That people know you as, oh, your people, you, you you guys are great. Like you've got a you've got a kind of a diverse board. Like you've you've got you you've got uh, you you really look after the community by because you've got these these you know, various um, projects that 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 benefit that benefit us. Um, and f focus in on them. You, you can't no, no no business can be all things to all people. So just focus in on the few few things that you're really good at. Then then once you decide on on those, yeah. uh, you the next step is is trying to embed it. Um, so you need to figure out. So you those are your goals to, to break it down into well how do, step one, step two, step three, four. How do I get there? Really think about that first. And then say, okay, well, once I go through these steps, I'll be reporting back. So then go t to tell tell your people, um, you know, and well, obviously you need to do this in collaboration with them. So every quarter or every 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 four months, whatever, whatever the, every six months, whatever it might be, we are going to be going to be ta talking to you about these these key metrics. So they understand that this is a two way communication. People are much more forgiving of you trying but not quite hitting it than you just just saying something and not hear, hearing about it in two years. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, as you described this, Chris, it sounds like it's an amalgam of many things. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm the CEO of a large business, I'm going to hire really smart people who can actually focus on this for me. If I'm the CEO or I'm starting a very small business, I might now start to feel overwhelmed. Mm. Where on earth do you start? Yeah, uh, well, the first start, it, the first place you start is purpose. And I just I would slightly push back on the, uh, you know, if you're, you're, you're hiring... Um, if you're a large business, hire hire one person, they'll solve it. They won't. So they're not going to solve it. one person. Not going to solve it. No, what I mean, you bring in people who are wiser than you on the subject. It's still your responsibility, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No CEO can solve all of the various issues that now they have to grapple with. Yes, but um, your job as CEO is to deal in complexity. Yes. Yeah, you know, like that is probably your single. If, if you have a job description as a CEO, it's dealing with things that are hard. Thing deal, dealing with complexity. And this is just—it's an extra layer of complexity, and and you, so it, you have to deal with it because the world is changing around you. There's all of these things that are that are significant risks, significant opportunities, and you need to get your arms around them. Like if you don't understand that having child labor down down your down your supply chain is going to end you, then You're you probably, should not probably be, the wrong CEO. You should not <laughs> be in that job. <laughs> so I yeah. so I get that. So of course there's this there's this wide umbrella of responsibility. Mm. I think am I am I right in thinking though? I'm also trying to get people to think about the fact that one person can't solve all these issues. You've got to actually have the right people around you as well to yes. help solve these issues. Do you see what? Yeah, yeah I do. I do. Because I'm just wondering about the, the, yeah. the smaller business and the and the yeah. and the startup, etc. Yeah. We're saying this is important. It's something I've got to think about. Yeah. This is beyond me. Yeah. I'm responsible, but I need help. Yeah. It is. It is. It's also something that that it's it needs to be built into the DNA of the business. Right from the word go. Right, right, but not even from the word go. You can you can transform a business. You can you can make make the the like, like the incremental changes that get yeah. you there. Um, now. As the world evolves, and a little bit like like my my own my own my own journey in banking, um, you're seeing that there is a, there's a change in mindset. Yeah, there's there's, there's, there's a, sh a shift in mindset amongst the kind of the general population. Every generation is shaped by the events that are that 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 are um, surrounding them. Um, and uh, millennials and Gen Zs have been shaped by the Great Financial Crisis. They've been shaped by COVID. They've been shaped by the cli the climate crisis. And their kind of understanding is the system that we were in isn't necessarily serving us well, yes. um, and it's possible to change things. It's possible to change things quite quickly. This is what COVID COVID taught us. Like fundamentally, with you know, overnight, yeah, overnight, we had to change. I've pretty much everything. All those things that we said were impossible exactly. suddenly became possible. Yeah, within, within a few days. Like, you know, six months projects or 12 months projects were, had to be done in six days or yeah. five days. And, and it was done and we did it. It's like, it's remarkable. Um, so, but so again, some, some kind of nice, in, in, inter, interesting stats. Um, you have 42% of people, um, well, of millenniums and Gen, and Gen Zs, right. who are prepared to be sacrificing um, pay for purpose. Forty-two percent. Wow, that that's high, and also twenty percent of the same demographic who think it's equal. 
So that gets you to 62% of people who think it's at least equal. Right. Like the 38, the remaining 38% are going to be the people who 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 will like you know sign their own Faustian packs, go 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 and work in Goldman Sachs, but understands like they'll be working 18 hours a day, but they'll be paid a ton of money for it, and that's that's what's important to them, and that's fine, and that's like, absolutely cool. But if you're t if you're talking about the kind of 60, the, like the the more than 60% of people that uh, will be not only your employees but also your consumers. You know, that is yes. You, I suppose you, that's you, the point, you, isn't it? It's yeah. not just the internal; it's the external. Exactly. You can't you can't ignore that. Like your you need customer to, base. Yeah, that's your customer base as well. Yeah. So that has a massive impact on the conversation around attracting and retaining talent. Absolutely. So, what are your thoughts then in relation to a business, any type of business now that is thinking, well, without people, I can't do anything? Yeah. But hang on, if it's the stats that you've just yeah. given us, yeah. where does a leader? go as regards how do I become an attractive proposition for the younger talent who want to stay with me as well on the journey yeah it depends on your industry like I'm very lucky in in the renewable energy industry that it's it is fundamentally attractive in itself um, but you can find purpose in most business like you can find per find purpose in most uh, uh, purpose and alignment in most business so as long as nobody wakes up in the morning or more nobody wakes up uh, like you know leaves college and says you know what I want to do I want to go want to go and wreck the world nobody wants to do that <laughs> you know it just it's so only in bomb movies <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but it just it just so happens you know, people find themselves in 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 careers that they mightn't feel particularly comfortable with right now, we are in a um, in in the, the midst of the great resignation where people are saying i'm just it, it just is not satisfying me. we saw that didn't we at the end of the we, pandemic we did we did and it's it continuing on to now it's slightly slightly easing a bit yeah. in, the, in the u.s but it's but it's still still very very live live and well here like we've got 80 percent of all of all um, employers say that they struggle to hire to hire people. So the way to hire people, if you've got again, was talking about demographics again. Sorry, I didn't mean to quite get quite get quite so stat savvy. But um, by 2030, um, we're due to have an 85 million person skilled uh, shortage um, labor gap. That's a lot of people to feel by ChatGPT. Like honestly, that's, like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So how do you manage? How do you how do you kind of Look, retain the people you have now, and then and recruit the pe the people tomorrow. When again, working in the same kind of like 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 60, 60 more than sixty percent of people will be at least equal on purpose purpose to to, to profit. You need to be right purposeful. You need to have a purpose to to your business, and you need to be aligned. You need to be showing that you're 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 doing good as well as doing well, and that's and have people people able to kind of bring their best selves into work because they feel aligns and behinds what your business is all about. And I'm glad we're having this conversation because I've actually got Raquel Ficardi coming in in a couple of weeks actually to talk about the multi-generational aspect. So I think there's going to be a, a, a big tie in here. What does the business of the future need to look like then, Chris? It needs to be um, aligned to the world. It's, everything's connected. Everything is in, is interconnected. Um, and it's something that, again, like we we, we have been learning um, by looking at the at the way that you know, climate is um, impacting on all of us all of our lives, and how our actions are 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 impacting like putting a bit of carbon into the air here also impacts it in 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 Australia. You right. know, there's like a, a ton of carbon carbon that can be put put anywhere around the world. Everything is in, interconnected in a in a ecological sense, a biological sense, but also everything's in, interconnected in the business sense. Like we also in the world of so social media, um, there's you can't get away with anything, right. <laughs> and not that you should be trying to get away with anything, but you but you can't. Like things, the truth the truth will out. You need to be running a business with a conscience. Right. You need to be running a business with 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 where you're true to your values, you're true to your goals. Um, for your employees to be aligned with you, for your customers to be aligned with you, for your regulators to be aligned with you, and if you can be doing all of that, you will make money and you will survive and you will grow. And there's that sustainability piece in relation to being financially sustainable, but also being a force for good as well. Yeah, that's yeah. very purpose driven. For sure. Um, I was going to ask a question as you're you're working in this area. Are you hopeful or are you nervous? Oh, I'm very nervous. Are you? I'm very nervous. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, we need so much needs to change. Yeah. Okay. What gives me hope is that we have all of the technology that we need. 
Oh, we do. We have all. We do. We do not need any more major breakthroughs. We can get to about 85 percent of renewables right now without with existing technologies. Um, we can decarbonize to to a massive extent right now without without any any great uh, breakthroughs. Right. And also hopeful that there's an awful lot of very very smart people working on that last last 10, 10 15 percent. So I'm very hopeful that we will be able to to get there. What makes me nervous is that is the time frame of it. If it's only when it is screaming in our face, and it is currently screaming in our face, yes. it, it is absolutely blindingly obvious now, now to anyone who cares to look, that that that, that the climate is not our friend anymore, that that, that the planet is, yeah. is is in distress, and we've got a lot already baked in, like carbon goes goes into the atmosphere and it stays and it stays and it stays and stays. This and is the irreversible piece, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or it would take a long time. To yeah, it does. It, like, we, yeah, it, it'll take a long time to change. Like, yeah. we we need to be taking down our. We need to be be um, reducing the amount of carbon and putting put in the atmosphere by. It changes every year, but it's about eight eight percent a year. And uh, even during COVID, we were still like three or four percent plus. So it's an it's an enormous swing that we need we need to. And do. what's the time frame? How you talked about tipping points. Where when are those tipping points? Two, three, twenty-three years. It's, it, now it is it is an, an inexact science. Um, What's the, the window? The, the only thing that we do know is that the worst predictions are happening quicker than we thought. So we're talking. We need to be trying to hold things to to like the, the big tipping points. That as far as as far as science, as the climate science to say, are happen at two degrees, and we're due to hit there if we don't make any changes, like twenty thirty-five. Right. So, so that would be so that's the, within we, our lifetime. Within our lifetime, for sure, for sure. And and, and then what kind of legacy are we leaving? A, a, yeah, a, a seriously damaged. If we can be be controlling, if we can be holding it to two degrees, we can. There's enough that we can do to to mitigate to have 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 life as we know it continuing. You know, without without you know, some changes, but not but not dramatic. If we let it go go to three, go to like two and a half or three, all bets are off. Like if if agriculture collapses. If like I don't know, don't want to sound all apocalyptic here, but but if if we're heading for Mad Max, <laughs> yeah. But if agriculture collapses in, in big parts of the world, if if big parts of um, like island nations or coastal nations are being being swept away, like you then have mass migration of humans like to to other part other parts of the world because they've got no other choice. They cannot survive where they are. Yes. And that's and you you see all of the political difficulties that 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 happen now with a relatively small number of of migrants hitting these shores and hitting the shores of of like relatively small as compared to what will happen if we hit these tipping points yes. like it's, it's like society becomes entirely unrecognizable yeah, this is one of those episodes i'm actually mildly frightened chris but that's probably a good thing <laughs> in, in relation to it yeah. and so the work that you're doing for united renewables what's the what's the hope for you and your business yeah. at the moment. Yeah, so we've got kind of got kind of two actually so we've got three strands to it. Uh, one is uh, we're continuing we're trying to build as much renewables um, as quickly as we possible. And so we're doing the really big stuff uh, as, as I mentioned the kind of multi gigawatt yep. stuff and we're doing the the targeted stuff in like much smaller but in but in places that wouldn't get built otherwise. So that's right. that's kind of kind of one one goal. Yeah. Another goal is we're looking at at kind of at kind of climate climate tech. Uh, so we're kind of starting a new business, which is kind of carbon capture and storage, but, but on nature-based solutions rather than than the like the big machines so trying to suck carbon out of the air. Yeah, that's a bit of a like that's a very controversial subject. And you know, like Al Gore just recently really reduced a, a, a produced a TED talk on it, absolutely scathing on it. It's there's there's an awful lot of right. you know negativity around that and for good reason uh but i think that the nature-based car, um, car, carbon cap capture and sequestration yep. um, is something that that we are we think that there is there, there has to be a role in so we're we're we just starting a new business in that we'll take a long time to talk about it so we can maybe another, another episode yeah, another <laughs> episode yeah um and the third thing is is uh, kind of communication so uh, the podcast you mentioned, yes. uh, I mentioned earlier on, I do do quite a lot of writing uh, on the subject. So write for um, like do a kind of LinkedIn newsletter, uh, write for Aluminum on these, which is which is the biggest kind of sustainability right. um, um, kind of source of inform information out there out okay. there at the moment. So trying to get as many people to be thinking about it, at least getting the conversation started. Yes. And if the conversations get started, then hopefully some some action actions can be following. Um, it's. Well, I've learned lots from this, and I hope you know this is fascinating to anyone listening and watching it as well. So, let me ask you: How can people get in touch in order to continue the conversation or get you involved in in some of the projects they've got going? That's brilliant. Yeah, very kind. Well, the the the, the best way is uh, LinkedIn. Like, love love kind of meeting up with people, hooking up with people. Uh, yeah. Christopher Caldwell. 
um, yeah, it's actually Isle of Man is the is is the location on LinkedIn. But I'm sure you could stick stick the link in the the, uh, the show notes. If you and, could. and you mentioned the podcast. Just to help everyone. What's the title of it? Yeah, it conversations plural on climate. Yes, and um, it's best best place to look at it. Is, look for it is on YouTube. Um, right, because you can get you get a, get a really good feel for the for the environment, the person, and they've got the, the, the interactions there, um, and the, the passion in their voices and their yes. and their passion in their faces on YouTube. But it's it's available by a pod. Um, on um, Spotify, Twitter, on Spotify, all all major um, yeah. podcast platforms. And just tell everyone who who you're talking to on conversations on climate, because well, you you just tell everyone who you're talking to. Yeah, so we do uh, we 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 mix it up. So we have uh, every, it's every two weeks we put in an episode. Yes. Um, it starts with an academic, kind of a leading academic from a primarily London Business School, but also uh, from from professors in Yale, Trinity College Dublin, but primarily um, uh, London Business School, talking about um, you know the deep deep academic frameworks not only around climate but around say you know leadership or strategy or or marketing and how you then put that into or influence or you know, whatever I mean, negotiations yeah. and how you then put that into a climate frame and it's been for me, it's absolutely fascinating. But you learn an awful lot. You get a kind of an MBA type education right. from listening, listening, listening to these guys and girls talking. Like it's it, they're 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 amazing, and I'm so incredibly grateful that they give give me their time. Yeah. And then then the the second two week two weeks of the month. I talked to a leading um, a, a leading alumni, normally again from London Business School, uh, who are who will talk who are working directly in the field, and it might be on big tech, it might be on biotech, it might be on renewables, it might be in something entirely different. But it's but we're talking about people who are there, like the tr- the troops on the ground, trying to trying to make you know, yeah. make make change in this. But but they're like sensible, practical entrepreneurs. Some of their some of their like are like tech bros who a few years ago would have been people who were in in, in cryptocurrency. But are now seeing the opportunity and are doing kind of positive cli- climate positive stuff, uh, and like we need everybody in there, and like they're one they're wonderful people, but um, they're not not everyone is an evangelist, you know. There, there's there's lots of different types types and shapes and sizes, young young and old, young yeah. and old uh, in, across the business community who are just in this area and telling their stories about how they how how they win, how they you know less, lessons learned along the way. So this can be a story for hope then. There is a story for hope. <laughs> well, we hope for hope. Listen, thanks so much, Chris, for taking the time to come into the studio and to have this conversation with me. I, I appreciate we're just really scraping the top of, you know, the surface in relation to this conversation. But I think, and I hope that the episode is one of awareness where people are, are curious, you know, or it, it piques their curiosity and they think, hang on, I do need to learn more. And from a leadership perspective, this is a non-negotiable. So how do, you know, how is this baked into the business? You know, if not at the start, then pretty damn soon in order for it to be part and parcel of the DNA. So Chris, thanks so much indeed. I really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Join us again next week for more curiosity and insight with the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with me on LinkedIn or visit us at www.leadersenigma.com. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and on our dedicated YouTube channel. Thanks again for joining the community.